I'm Anthony Corbo, and as always, joining me today on this show, I've got Kyle Maggio. What's going on, folks? You can follow Kyle at Kyle Maggio. Uh, I've got Brian Giberman here with me as well. What's going on, pals? That is at Brian Giberman on Twitter. You can follow me at Corbo Anthony. And while you're at it, why don't you follow the Knicks Wall as well, TKW Podcast. Uh, do me a big favor, subscribe to this podcast, give us a rating, give us a nice little review. Um, yeah, on YouTube, you know, give us the uh, give us a subscribe there too. You know, we got a ton of content going up on the nixwall.com. You guys know this. You've been listening in every week, and we can't thank you enough for it. Um, so I guess the uh, the natural place to start today. We don't have any games to discuss since the last episode, but. The uh, the natural place to start for us would be the uh, the phone interview that Bill Simmons held with uh, with Mike Francesa today earlier. Um, we have quite a few uh, little tidbits we can get out of that, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, why why don't we uh, why don't we take a listen to this first little part and then uh, and then we can discuss a little further. What I about would, you? I would bet the house on the Knicks. You would? Why? I just think that's where it's heading. Alrighty, so uh, some interesting language from Bill Simmons there. He would bet the house on the Knicks. Uh, he just thinks that's where it's heading. And a guy who you know runs one of the most popular sports media sites in the country right now and uh, tends to have a pretty good ear on that one player who's been more than rumored to head to New York at this point. Um, I would take it that Bill Simmons knows what he's talking about here. He said later on in the while he was on with Francesa, he's had KD on his podcast six times. Yeah, like there, I mean, I and I've listened to uh, you know the majority of those, and it's just they're always like a bit combative with each other. I don't know how much they're just playing it up for the for the microphones there, but I mean they've got to be at least somewhat chummy at this point. He's got to know some Kevin Durant secrets at this point. I'm sure Kleiman had him cut a couple of things out of this podcast where he knows something that they don't want public, you know? I, I don't know, but I, I just think whatever Bill Simmons is saying is sort of intentional for whatever reason, whether it's to make people believe he's going to the Knicks and then he's not coming, or, you know, alternatively, he is actually a friend of, Ke- of Kevin Durant and they're basically letting him kind of unravel this for everybody. And I I normally wouldn't have taken it seriously the last whatever amount of years, but they did kind of get the LeBron thing last year. You know, they, they had him going to L.A. almost a full season before, and it feels like the same timing with, with this kind of stuff again this year. And uh, this is with somebody that he's seemingly a little bit closer to, so... The, the way he said it was also like, I really kind of know this, but I can't come out and say it. 
It's like like what Windhorse did when he was like, yeah, I'm like right. 60% LA, but he was really like 99% LA, and he just couldn't couldn't say that. Well, this it is re- something we've been doing all season. Like, you know, ever since these these rumors, you know, after Christmas, once they started becoming like the biggest talk of this team, it's like it's there's been a slew of reporters at this point who have come out and you know, drop that really heavy hint. I mean, everyone up to the Knicks owner, everyone up to James Dolan last week when we were talking about it. You know, everybody is saying this with the exact same tone of voice. And it just, I, I don't know. They're not, this is this is just known quantities at this point, it feels like. We, pretty, we were able to create a podcast segment about it and do it twice a week for months now. It's, a, it's out, yeah, it's, I think we've had, what, maybe like two three episodes without our tea leaves segment going through here and they felt empty like this is the conversation that's happening right now and i don't know if it's bill simmons just trying to get some you know some some uh, get his name out there get his name into the conversation but he also strikes me as the kind of guy who just like he just looks like he can't hold a secret you know like he just <laughs> looks like he's brimming and wants to tell somebody that he knows something that they don't and he just can't wait until July 1st when he could be like, I told you all. But I, I do think, and we're, we're going to listen to the audio in a second here, but I, I'm, the way he says this next thing, I feel a little bit more sure about Kyrie Irving at this point. you think Durant's going to come to the Knicks this year? Yes. I, I would bet the house on that one. And who do I don't you know think, if it'll happen, but that would be, that would be my bet. That, your bet is the – all right, that'd be, all right listen. My bet would be My bet would be Durant and Kyrie. Durant together. and Kyrie. Okay. Together. And uh, good luck. Good luck. Listen. Good luck with that. So, all right. So, just, just getting into this for one second. He's like, he says he would bet the house on, on Durant. And then very quickly doubles down and says Durant and Kyrie. I know. I, you could just read it, you know, between the lines of everything he's tweeting, everything he's saying on the on this podcast, everything like that. I know he's really sore because he, he, you know, has a more than heavy inkling that Kyrie Irving is leaving the Celtics after a couple of largely unceremonious years. Like, I, just the way he doubles down on that assertion of Durant and Kyrie, it's just why, you know, why even put his name into the mix there at that point? I, I, I'm definitely reading the tea leaves here, but just his, his tone of voice there, I, I, I think he's sore about something. I, I don't know. He, Maybe a little bit. He's kind of done that little flip-flop thing with Kyrie earlier in the year, but now his tone has been a little bit more consistent. But he just doubled down. He threw Kyrie in there out of nowhere. Yeah. I I don't know. It, I just I, I don't want to talk myself into any of this stuff, as you guys know. I I, I don't want to be let down here. I, the, the, these are very credible-looking tea leaves. Uh, it sounds very enticing. I just Kyle, do not want to be disappointed. House. He would bet the house on it. I know. I know. Rakes in I money. Know. Do you know how big his house probably is? That's a big bet he's putting on that. Uh, it's gonna be. It's just gonna be wildly embarrassing when all if all these credible people had this happening and then it doesn't happen and I just. That man does nothing. He gets paid and does nothing for HBO. That's good money there. That's real good money, and he's putting that all on not just Kevin Durant, but now he, he amended his bet to include Kyrie Irving there. I, you know, it just comes back to what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Simmons feels kind of burned here, and he's just getting pot stirred. I'm all for it. 
it really I, I'm at the point, I think I've said this in the podcast before, I wouldn't even be mad if they didn't get him. I would just laugh at, I would just laugh. Like oh, Twitter, it's, it's it'd be such it a, Twitter would be fire that would be set onto that app after all of this. And if he doesn't come to the Knicks, would be so amazing. I just think we end up with that number five pick. I don't know who they get there. We'll talk a little bit more about the tournament later. Maybe we'll get into some draft stuff too. But uh, I, I just, you know, I can smell it in the air, the number five pick and uh, Kemba Walker and uh, Jimmy Butler. Come on down. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, I see this summer going, there's only one of two ways that this goes. They're either going to get Durant, everything that everybody was talking about was legitimate, and... We all laugh at how skeptical it was in the face of very, very overwhelming evidence that he's coming. Um, or all of this was a ploy to make uh, the Warriors have to choose who to keep. They get Draymond the fuck out of there. Katie resigns. Him, Steph, and Clay right off into the sunset. Knicks now have to double down on the rebuild movement, and then we have to run it back with the exact same team, more or less next year with whoever the pick is, which is, I'm going to take a guess and say number three. Okay, Kyle, question. Yeah. If KD really just wanted them, if that was the deal, you have to pick me over Green, doesn't he just go to the front office, say you pick me over Green and Green gets traded tomorrow and he doesn't have to do all this stuff like this? Does he really need to do this to ensure they get rid of him? Can't he, they, he just go ask them and they'll listen to him because he's Kevin Durant and that's Draymond Green? Could be, could be, but I don't know, man. I I don't know. I just so, something doesn't feel right, you know. It just doesn't. It's You're too right easy. In that. It's, some, it's some, too it's too easy, you that's know. Exactly it's, it. There's a part of me that wants to believe that we deserve. It's like taking the bait, and I don't want to take the bait. Right. There's a part of me that that believes that we we deserve everything that may be coming our way. The riches of of this war we've been fighting with. You know, the likes of, uh, I'm not even going to say Stephon Marbury, but I'll say uh, Jerome James and uh, going all the way back. We, you know, we got the, uh, the Tracy McGrady. Uh, we, you know, this is, these, these people, like, we've died over and over again for these contracts. And we just think that the spoils of war are at the end here, that we're going to get our prize at the end of the tunnel. And a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving and a Zion Williamson. And Lord, I just, I am skeptical, to say the least. <sighs> All right. Um, before we move on to the next thing, I just want to uh, again remind everyone to give us a good follow, give us a, uh, give us a five star review, please. That's uh, you know that's really the most important thing. Five star review. Give us the uh, subscribe. Uh, you know, give us a subscribe on YouTube. Just wherever you're listening to us, uh, we would appreciate it greatly. Brian, you had a bit of an issue with an article that went up earlier this week detailing Mitchell Robinson, yes? Yeah, so Mike, it, it was on 538.com. I believe his name is Michael Salfino. And uh, is that would that be how you pronounce that last name? That's what I'm going with, yeah. The title of it is The Knicks Rookie Center is a Statistical Enigma. Okay, I mean, sure, why not? Let's go with that. 
then you get into it. He's not wrong in saying that. He's put up some unique box sets to start, you know, to say the least. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you go there, there is some bad, but I think a lot of that bad has already been fixed as you kind of watch the pattern. He is definitely setting the tone of, of, uh, he's putting up some things that I haven't really seen before, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting caught up in semantics here. Continue. All right. So after just reading a couple, after he starts it with just some basic stuff about who he is and what he's been doing, the line that really jumps out is Robinson's skills run counter to today's game. And I just don't really grasp how you could watch Mitchell Robinson play and don't think he fits in the modern NBA. He can guard guards on the perimeter. He protects one. He's elite at protecting the rim. And on offense, he's already one of the best rim runners in the NBA. That's how he's able to shoot 68% from the field or whatever with that. Yeah, I think that's what he's doing without dribbling the ball. Like, of course, he's not like the opposite would be true. Like if he was backing someone down, then he wouldn't, he would be running counter to what today's NBA is. And I'm not saying you can't be successful doing it a little different, but Robinson is literally outside of the fact he's not shooting threes right now. Not every set. Clint Compella does not shoot threes. He is like the epitome of what a modern NBA center should be. I, so Let's get into some of the stats that he puts up here. Because I agree. Like, it seems like any any team in the NBA could use a, you know, a speedy center who can get from basically underneath the rim to blocking a shot at the three-point line, you know, within, you know, the time it takes for someone to get a pass there and put up a shot. Like, he's doing, you know, and just his length and everything. But we all know that. We've been watching Mitch all year. Uh, so what uh, Salfino is saying here in the article he says he, he throws a couple of stats here to say that maybe he's one of the best rookie players in NBA history, as is indicated by win shares for 48 minutes and box plus minus. Or perhaps he's just a bottom rung NBA center, as ESPN's real plus minus system says. Um, are any of those stats you think fair barometers to judge Mitchell Robinson's rookie season on so far? I've completely stopped caring about catch-all stats that try and try and give a picture of a player in one number. I think they're stupid. Yep. Yep. Um, I have, I'm not anti-analytics by any means. Um, I just put most of my stock is in offensive numbers because those are typically pretty easy to control and to measure versus defense where it's harder to attribute responsibility typically for a lot of what goes on. Um, you know, even when you're playing man to man, it is still team defense. You have to play too. So it's not, to me, it's too hard to capture anything with a, a lot of defensive metrics. So, but, uh, but yeah, I just think the catch all set stats are very silly to me. It's just not, you know, baseball is easy to use it. You could very easily isolate a single player's impact and things that they can do, but Basketball is just, it's really difficult to do that with that kind of a stat. So I'm taking a look at some of the, I'm just kind of reading through the, the table he has in the article and then looking back at, basically I'm, I'm taking a look at the uh, the box plus minus that he puts in the article to kind of show what the company he's with here. And it's pretty elite. You look at the, you know, it starts off number one is Michael Jordan with an 8.2 box plus minus. 
from there you go to Alvin Adams of the Sun when in his 21 uh, when he was age 21, 6.7. That's 1976. So you know we've already got kind of a weird lineation here. David Robinson comes in after that at 6.5 when he was 24. Then Mitchell Robinson comes at a 6.3 bu- uh, box plus minus. And then you have Chris Paul from there, Arvidas Sabonis after that, Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson. It's, you know, Larry Bird's on that list at the bottom there too. It's, you know, pretty much as elite of company as you can get. And then I'm looking for him on the real plus minus uh, yes, and he ranks 46. 46. Best defense at defense they have. Hmm. Well, I'm just like, it, it's just, I, I, I don't understand it because, you know, you have him down at like 46 on here, and he's with the likes of like Tyler Zeller and, you know, this year's Dwight Howard and, you know, Deonta Davis, who's played two games with Atlanta this season. Like, this is pretty much as big of a difference as you can get between two groups of players, right? A real plus, so one thing, real plus minus value shooting from big men a lot because of the spacing it creates. So guys who can't shoot at all get dinged a little bit, I believe. Like Channing Fry always graded out awesome in ESPN's real plus minus. And I, dude, the, the article was just—he just listed off a bunch of numbers and didn't really explain anything. It just—he was just like he went like just from stat to stat to stat and just put it out there. And like the, you have to—you have to incorporate actually watching basketball. Like I love numbers too. I use numbers on this podcast all the time. But you also have to incorporate and show that you're looking at what's happening. Basketball is not, a, as Kyle kind of said this, basketball is not a sport that you can judge just strictly by numbers. There's too many variables. So what's the counter then? Like what, when, so he's throwing out some, you know, as we're kind of all, I'm in agreement with you guys here, not very good numbers for storytelling purposes. Like this doesn't really have any impact on how we view Mitchell Robinson, you know, for the better or worse at this point. Judging based on, like, what would your be your counter analysis to this? My counter analysis to it would be, you just there's some stuff that like some of the numbers do make sense in. You just need to you need to explain why, like why, like he wrote in the real plus minus, they most likely his shot blocking most likely doesn't help his teammates get stops. And that's why the real plus minus doesn't like him. But that's not really true. The Knicks are about 3.2 points better defensively when Mitchell Robinson is on the court versus when he's not on the court. Now, some of that is that he plays mostly against backups and not against starters. But he very obviously, when you see that number, plus you also watch him play, he does impact the game on the defensive end, and he does make the people around him better defenders just by his mere presence of being on the court. So you can't just spit out numbers and not have reasoning behind it. 
Yeah, like that. That's my one thing with like the defensive metrics is like you can guys play different defense with different players, and it, it's like for example, like as a guard, if I know I have a, a like Mitch behind me, I'm gonna be like hyper aggressive on the ball. You know, it's just a different style of defense. If or if I have Ennis Cantor behind me, I know okay, well I have to sag off a little bit. I can't get beat, and it's just it, it changes how you play the game. You know, and then if you start to get beat because of that, is that really your fault? Is that your, or is it somebody else's fault because you had to adjust, you know? And it's it's just very difficult to to measure that and capture that accurately. But you know that's why, like for Mitch, if you're watching the games, like he's affecting more shots than he's blocking oftentimes. And if he's hunting for blocks, even like it still is having a a, a very positive impact on you know the defense lately too. So I know it's I, I just, yeah, go ahead. No, the, the whole thing, like, you know, there the, I understand the type of website that 538 is. It is built off of statistics for purposes that reach beyond sports as well. But, like, this is another moment where you can just look at some of his box score stats and realize that not only, you know, not only is he going to become a, quali- you know, a quality pretty much at floor center in the NBA, like, he's he's – consistently been improving since day one of this season i mean like you know i'm looking at it it right now his block streak his multiple block per game streak still extends all the way back to february 1st that was the last game he had one block in he still has gone yet december 12th was the last game he played in without a block like and then on top of that like that's your baseline He's adding several double doubles with rebound, you know, rebounding in here lately. And and even if he's not scoring, we've seen a couple of games where he's been able to rack up double digit rebounds. Uh, you know, it, I think we can all agree that his positioning has been better lately, even though his minutes, for some reason, are still fluctuating wildly. I mean, you know, he played 13 minutes in in the Clippers game, and I know that that was DeAndre's game, and he was kind of taken over. But then you have 22 and 29 in Utah and 14 in Toronto and 15 against the Lakers and then 20 against the Spurs and 12 against Indiana and 32 against Minnesota. It's just like, oh man, the fact that he is able to continually show this much improvement with this, with like this much lack of consistency and how he's deployed by Fisdale is pretty extraordinary. What happened, Brian? You're not going to take the Fisdale bait there? No, I'm good. I, I really, I don't have that much of an issue with, with Fizdale's done. I'm with uh, Mitch. I know Brian's gonna. I, I've been thinking about it more lately. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's been bad because you know Mitch plays kind of reckless at times and gets into foul trouble often, and he's cleaned it up a lot since the trade deadline. But I, I think the way he's kind of handled them is like just cautiously if he's playing really smart and has it going he usually plays longer stretches so he's kind of making him earn it a little bit and you know that's a little bit of an outdated thing for a lot of people but i think that sometimes it's okay i I think more or less mitch is coming along he's playing better you know i I think whatever they're trying to do is more or less working so i don't want to slam anything too much so, so I actually do think they, and I think Fisdale actually deserves some credit here. He has done a good job of helping Mitch improve as the season has gone along. I don't think everything Fisdale has done with Mitch has been good. I think the big picture view that he took with this season and how he kept his role 
very narrow on offense where he basically isn't allowed to dribble and the only thing he's allowed to do is get offensive rebounds and dunk and dunk out of pick and roll. He does a little bit of dribble handoff stuff here and there. But for the most part, it, it, his role has been very, very narrow on offense. And I think that was the right way to handle it. And I had no problem with him not starting at the beginning of the season. And even though I would have started him a little earlier, not many complaints about that even until more recently. But now at this point, and we've been here for probably two, three weeks now, since whenever, did he get hurt again? I don't remember. But two, three weeks now, I would say that he should be playing more and starting and getting experience and learning, going up against higher level players rather than bench players. I think that would all be good stuff for him to start doing this season rather than waiting until next season. See, I can be reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, I, I don't know. I just think, I, I think that's very accurate. I, I do. I, I just, I actually don't mind what he's done with a lot of the kids. It's, it's outside of it's Frank and Moody. It, it, it's like, like it's, it's like literally it, those two. It, it, that's literally my only gripe. And then because sometimes that bogs down other things that he does with the kids, and it's like, I just felt like that was such an easy, this like even if it even if it failed, right? Like Frank Frank has barely held up his end of the bargain either, you know. And even if it failed, like at least try it out. Like at least then I know okay he's literally letting all of these kids go wild. But it's like he he let. There they are. And look, he did try it, and the team did okay when he tried it, and then he stopped. See, the dog agreed with me. I know, yeah, that's that's the whole point. The uh, the uh, the dogs are at the play tonight, but <laughs> I just want all this audio of Kyle trying to get back in on the conversation with the dogs like superseding him to make it into the final cut of this episode. Um, okay, where are we at now? Do we need, uh, is it time for us to transition over to the college tournament? Yeah, why don't we just go to the college tournament I, I, now? I think we have spent about as much time as we can on this Knicks team. Today, uh, how many more games do we have left now at this point? Eight games left. Eight games left. Right. Sweet 16, so there's eight teams. That, oh, no, there's more than eight games left. I'm an idiot. There's eight games on Thursday and Friday. Um, are you are you talking tournament games? Yes. Uh, oh, were you talking? <laughs> I think, I think might... there's eight... there is eight games left. Yeah. 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 Look at that. Alrighty. Uh... Master of the last five minutes. They, they, they need to sim the rest of the season. Oh, there he is. I I I I can't watch the rest of the season. It's just. It's brutal. It's brutal. Dennis is gonna miss at least another game. It sounds like. Frank so Frank he's gonna he's. Uh, and they talked about a slip disc in Dennis's back, so I don't know why they'd even let him come back for the last four or five games. I don't know what's going on with Trier. I don't know how much worse it's going to get from there. We can all—I mean, we can be thankful for one thing right now. At least uh, Ennis Cantor is no longer our starting center. God, I feel so bad for uh, for uh, Trailblazers fans. That's about to get ugly. Yeah, I I feel really bad for Nurkic because he was oh, having a hell of a year. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know if they were due to make it out of the first round regardless, but I would have loved to see 
uh, Portland breakthrough just that one time. But God, I don't know. If, I don't think you can do that with Cantor. Oh, the drop off from Nurkic to Cantor is so so yeah. very large. And he was even playing a role in their playmaking too. I mean, he was. I, I heard something that he and Dame were like the second highest, like, uh, like, you know, assist to bucket teammate combo in the uh, in the league this year. And like, but like a lot of the, uh, it was like way more balanced than other like point guard center combos. Like Nurkic was supplying Dame plenty of times too. So him and Jokic both ended up being beasts. I know it's kind of crazy. I. God, it sucks that he's gonna be out for so long now. But yeah, they both like see them both come up like that. They just need to get away from each other. It's, it's really crazy. It's nice too because people really did scoff at Nurkic right after they traded him because Jokic oh, was. I, the... I was one of them, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent dead. Yeah, a lot of people, and I was just like, I, I was like, I think he's, I was like, I think he's really good. I was like, maybe he's not, you know, as high a ceiling as everybody thinks Jokic or someone else might be. But it's like, I think he's gonna be a really good player. I don't see why he wouldn't be. So I was like, because he was the, uh, like he was supposed to be the guy that, like Jokic had the the lower ceiling than he did. We all thought initially, no one thought anything of Jokic, and then like he just all of a sudden came up and superseded Nurkic. And I think that was just like you just got to get him out of there at that point. He was just without a home. Uh, and then he was that good his first the first Blazers year, and then he no. popped out. He really popped this year, kind of not out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. Um, all right, well, we are going to talk about the NCAA tournament in a second, and we are going to bring on uh, the Knicks Wall's own Jess Reinhardt to talk to us a, bit, a little bit about that. Uh, so we'll be right back with that. <laughs> Jess Reinhardt of the Knicks wall. Uh, what's your Twitter again? Plug your Twitter real quick. Jron44. I should have realized that's <laughs> your thing for pretty much everything. But The uh, brand is strong. Follow me on everything with that. All right. So uh, we are – so as as the uh, listeners to this podcast know that I have uh, still not watched the moment of college basketball this season. Uh, but – that's where I rely on you. That's where I rely on Brian and Kyle. Um, Sweet 16, yes? Coming up on it? Yep. All right. Uh, where are we at? What's, what, are, what are the upsets looking like? What, are, what is the outsider known as me need to know to, to understand what the <laughs> Sweet 16 is looking like right now? Well, um, off of that, it's pretty much chalk, meaning it's pretty much all top seeds with the exception of Oregon, who is a 10 seed, um, they have looked pretty good. They, I mean, they actually won the Pac-12 tournament, so you would think to call them an underdog would be weird, but Pac-12 was pretty, pretty terrible this year. Um, so they play Virginia, which will be interesting. Um, a lot of differences in the type of play there. Um, Another big storyline people are talking about, obviously, is going to revolve around Duke. Um, They're playing Virginia Tech, so they played pretty late in the ACC season, 
Um, I guess it was only a few weeks ago. But in that game, Zion did not play. And um, Justin Robinson did not play for Virginia Tech. So those are two of the biggest players in this game. Um, So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there. Virginia Tech won that game, I want to say, by like five points. Um, So it'll be interesting to see with the addition of Justin Robinson and Zion what, what happens there. Um, Are they really called the Hokies? <laughs> yep, and I, I don't know what they are. I, I think their mascot's like a, a, a turkey. I, I could be making that up. I don't know. I, yeah, the Hokies. Yep, that's a good one. Oh, jeez. Um, what else we got here? Well, I'm we interested. A, I'm seeing something oh. right now. Uh. I don't know. I haven't heard of this of Ty Outlaw before, but uh, he was charged with like misdemeanor possession of marijuana. I'm seeing now the, uh, earlier today, and yeah, it says that they're not really sure about his playing status moving forward. Is that a player that's going to impact that game at all, or is is he kind of a lower on the bench guy? Interesting. I this is this is breaking news to me. Uh-huh. Um. Let's see here. It looks like this season he's averaging almost nine points, five rebounds. I mean, it. regardless of how much he's contributing, that's obviously going to be something t- to affect the team in general. Even if he wasn't a guy who was playing, like to get a kid on your team arrested, that's obviously going to gonna be an interesting locker room dynamic there so he may he may still play but it's uh because it's an ongoing legal situation they're not totally clear on it interesting yeah um so anyway duke might be uh going up against a team that might be at least kind of hurt in spirit there um we have you know there's a couple of other interesting matchups i know brian is looking forward to the michigan texas tech matchup or maybe it's not. I don't know. Are you nervous <laughs> for that game, Brian? Yeah, it, I am. Uh, Texas Tech is good and plays defense. Michigan is good and plays defense. It's going to be a low-scoring game. And it's basically, we've talked about this on the podcast a couple, couple times uh, for the draft people. You get to see Jared Colbert go up against Charles Matthews, who is an elite wing defender, so it'll be a good test for him. Do you, uh, How well do you know Texas Tech, Jess? Um, I mean, I've watched a few games. Big 12 is probably the least knowledge I have in terms of conferences and teams. Um, so I don't know a whole lot. What's your, what's your best conference? What's that? What's your best conference? Ooh, um, this year, I mean, just because of what's on TV, probably the ACC. Um, and for those who don't know this about me i'm also huge into mid-major basketball so that's where i spend a lot of my time watching college games um but in terms of you know the the big ones probably acc this year and well i guess big 10 too because as you know brian i'm an, an iowa fan so we like to like to fight about that sometimes um so i i watched almost every single one of iowa's games this year as well all right, let's run through. You have connections with all three games that are Thursday night. Florida sure. State, and, so Florida State and Gonzaga played last season. 
in this same round. Yeah. How do you, how do you think uh, the like length and the switchiness of Florida State will do against Gonzaga's uh, size? I love Gonzaga, and I love Brandon Clark. I don't think enough people are talking about him. Um, I think, you know, I've had people tell me he could end up being the best player in the tournament, um, which with the likes of some of these other players is saying a lot, but I don't think it's a far stretch. He's just so good. And I think Gonzaga is just a well-oiled machine at this point. And uh, I like them to, uh, you know, to handle business against Florida State. Uh, so Purdue, Tennessee. If ten- Tennessee has guys who can guard Edwards, yep. are they, can do. Is that pretty much if Edwards goes away, does Purdue have a way to attack them from multiple spots, or is that is that going to be a problem for them? I I think that's going to be a problem for for Purdue. Um, like you said, they Tennessee has people who can who can take per, um, Edwards out of the game. Um, Matt Harms is, is definitely a, a good weapon and, and uh, on the offensive, on the offensive end, you know, as a nice, um, addition to Carson Edwards, but I just, I don't think Purdue, Purdue has enough. And with the scare that Iowa gave Tennessee, um, I think that they're going to be, you know, locked in and, and ready to go. And I think they're going to take that one. You going with the speed or the slowdown in Oregon, Virginia? Oof, this is tough. Um, I, I, I gotta go. I, I think Virginia is, is on a path of, uh, you know, redemption. I would say, and I, I know uh, looking at a couple couple of my brackets I was so torn between picking them in Tennessee to get to the final four um and I just I have a lot of faith in Virginia and in slowing down this Oregon team um and I think was it the last game Kyle Guy I know one of these I, th- I think it was just this last game had a terrible shooting shooting day and I don't think that's going to happen again and as long as they can shoot and knock down the three and and slow Oregon down. I I think we're going chalk on that one as well. All right, and then Michigan Texas Tech. I kind of, so how I think this plays out is basically so Michigan never turns the ball over on offense and kind of forces not not really at a high rate on defense. Texas Tech forces a ton of turnovers yep. and also turns the ball over a little bit more. So I kind of think if Michigan, whichever team's profile kind of plays out on that end, like if it's a game where Michigan's not turning the ball over and Texas Tech is, Michigan will get some extra possessions and they'll win the game. If it's the opposite and Texas Tech is making Michigan turn the ball over a ton, but they and they keep it kind of in their range, then Texas Tech will get the extra possessions and they'll win because both teams are pretty solid on the defensive glass. And then, then oh, I, I don't think I forgot to look up Texas Tech's offensive rebounding, but I know Michigan doesn't go for an awful lot of those. So where the, they're going to get the extra possessions is basically going to come down to the turnovers. That's where I see that game kind of kind of playing out. And I know I know Xavier Simpson's re- he's had a couple games where he's a little sloppy, 
but mm-hmm. he, he's really good at controlling the pace of the game. And I like how he plays as a point guard and he, he, the ball gets a little sticky at times, but the trade off for that is you're still getting more good than bad. Right. So you're going with uh, whoever has less turnovers is, is getting the dub on that one then? Yeah, pretty much. I think the turnovers, I think it's going to be like a football game. That's going to be the deciding factor. That makes sense. I, yeah, for me, it's it's honestly a toss-up. Um, but the, the, the turnover battle definitely definitely will help shed some light on, on who's going to get that. So that's all the Thursday games, right? Yeah, that's it's four on Thursday and four on Friday. Yeah. Um, another one, you know, moving into into Friday. Um, man, all these games are just really good. Um, LSU Michigan State's really interesting. That that LSU Maryland game was crazy. I think a bunch of us were watching it. Uh, kind of at the same time uh, and in Slack talking about it. Um, and with everything, obviously, that's gone on off the court for LSU, um, I really thought that that was going to hinder what they were going to be able to do this tournament. I mean, they don't have their head coach. And here they are in the Sweet 16. Um, so I... Can you, I have, can you explain real quick what's going on for LSU? Because I, I, this completely has gone over my head. <laughs> um, I can try, but honestly, I'm, I don't know. Like interim not, coach. Did the coach get fired, or what, what happened here? So no he, he's, been sus- he's been suspended, I'm pretty sure. He hasn't he, – he was suspended indefinitely. He hasn't been officially fired. The sneaker stuff. Yeah. Oh, 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 yes, that's right. Okay, of course, of course. With the FBI, there apparently is a tape of him offering money. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> Not I a mean, good look. at the same time, too, you have, you know, Izzo and the Spartans and everything have been all over the news this week, too. So, I mean, that is a, you know, contentious matchup of, things that necessarily aren't you know aren't necessarily going on on the basketball court that's fueling that well michigan states i well was on the court i guess yeah i guess i suppose but i mean the conversation that came afterwards you know the fact that it it stayed in the news cycle for so long yeah absolutely absolutely how do you think waters and versa winston plays out Ooh, i Man, I think Waters has the edge for that, but I don't know if that's enough to get LSU the win, if that makes sense. Um, that Michigan State team is annoyingly very good at basketball. <laughs> I, I hate to break it to you, but I do have them winning a couple of my brackets. Um, they're just – they're so good. And I usually don't like Michigan State – like don't like usually don't like the way they play or just don't like watching them play. But this year, man, they he, changed, are, he changed up everything. What's that? Izzo changed up everything this year. He yeah. He turned them into an. He put just put the ball in Winston's hands, spaced the court, and let him play fast. And he yeah. hasn't. The the best thing that happened to that team was Nick Ward getting hurt and Tillman being able to start at center. Yeah, that makes sense. And 
if McQuay's hitting shots, my goodness. Yeah, just, you, you you can't guard them. It's you not. literally can't stop them if he's hitting shots. I hate that fucking team. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like how good they are. It's very annoying. <sighs> Man, he's got a picture of him up in his room throwing darts at it. It's going to be okay. It's gonna We're going to play. Like, there's a real possibility that Michigan plays them again, and they could lose to them again. If they yeah. lost four games, including <laughs> the final four and the Big Ten championship game. They would have. They basically would have lost three, uh, a playoff game, a uh, chance at the Big Ten title in the regular season, and the conference title. They would have lost three, basically, championship games to their biggest rival in one season. If that happens, I'm, I'm flying out to you to do a wellness check because I'm seriously going to be concerned for your own <laughs> team. And the game will be a Saturday night, too, so I don't have to worry about being at work the next day. I can drink. Oh, God, there's nothing good to come about that. Absolutely nothing. Hourly check-ins. Somebody needs to be on at all times. Just need to know you're alive. (laughs) I'll drunkenly text the Slack to to check in once an hour. Perfect. Uh, No, you'll be on Twitter. I guarantee you you'll be on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, that's when we'll know. When they, when they lost to Villanova in the national championship game last year, it was a Monday night. Remember, the games are on early here. So right. that was like, a, it started at like 640. Uh, by the end of the game, I was taking shots of Jameson, and I ended up at like a strip club by myself at nine o'clock at night, and no one else was there. Oh, my God. Uh, so what else we got Friday? Um, good, good moving the topic along. That yeah, was great. Uh, is it uh, Virginia Tech? To <laughs> Anthony, yeah, why didn't you stop me earlier? Come on, I'm, that's I'm your job. I'm making my contributions as little as I can on this segment. <laughs> Just carry on, please. Um, North Carolina, Auburn. I love UNC this year. Um, I just. Man, I just love watching them play. And that's one team I've actually seen a decent amount of. Yeah. I don't, I don't like them that much. Like if you if they're playing a team that's athletic and can really make May defend in space, I think you can get off against them. Yeah. That makes sense. I just I think they have so many weapons. I love Cam Johnson so much. <laughs> um I just love the way he plays. He is so smooth. Has a great shot, um, and Kobe White is so fast. It's incredible, and he's got great hair, so, you know, that that always helps. Um, Auburn's interesting. I have barely seen – I barely watched them play this year, um, and, yeah, I just – I don't know. I – I I went chalk a lot in my in my bracket, so so I'm liking North Carolina in here, but I think this is going to be a really good game. Have you seen Houston at all? Um, uh, pretty much only these tournament games. Um, so Houston Kentucky is one I I I don't know. Honestly, that's another one that's a toss up for me. Um. Although, man, if, uh, what's his name, Fletcher McGee had hit just, like, 
two threes against Kentucky, I think Wofford would be there. I I thought Wofford was going to win that game, but yeah, Kentucky Houston, I you know, Kel, Kelvin Sampson's getting it done pretty pretty quietly, you know, they're coming from the American smaller conference, but um who, did Houston lose to Loyola Chicago last year? Wasn't it like the No, uh, that that was Michigan. That was the Jordan Poole shot. Who did Houston lose to last year? Michigan. They lost to Michigan. That was the Jordan Poole shot. Oh, that, oh right. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying the other way around. Okay. Yeah. Right. I. Man, who who do you think who do you think's winning that? Oh, I I was just looking at Houston's roster and I don't know a single person on it. <laughs> Fair enough. I I've seen them like a little bit lately, like uh, but I don't have sound on when I watch. They looked like one of those like smaller teams that has a bunch of guards and wings that just switches a lot and shoots a lot of threes. But yeah, that's about my knowledge there. Yeah, that that sounds about right. They were also on. I think they were on late. Um, when they play, yeah, that Houston Ohio State game was like the one of the last games last weekend, I think. And by that point, I I say this every year. I never think I can like get sick of basketball but when it gets to be <laughs> sunday of the first weekend i'm actually tired of basketball and i'm barely paying attention um what else uh who else we have on friday do we hit all the games did we say duke yet isn't duke friday yeah duke virginia tech is friday yeah are you at all concerned about duke after watching them struggle a little bit to take on taco Taco, man, that game was awesome. I, I, I think Duke gets it done as as much as it pains me. As you guys know, love watching Zion. I hope he becomes a Nick, but I just don't like Duke. But I think they get it done. I think they just they have so many so many guys that can that can do it um because weren't we talking about the other day that every you know we obviously know that they're a very very talented and top heavy team but that coach k is just terrible i think because uh, in the slack we were talking about just like i think so i think it might have been you kyle who said like wow cam sucks and then we were just talking about <laughs> yep that was me uh, all the, you know, all the different guys. And, like, if Cam was playing in a different system or on a different team, would it be the same? Um, and I think I said, well, what if Coach K just doesn't know how to coach talent? <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know how true that is. I just like hating on Coach K when possible. Um, but it, it's interesting because um, – Actually, I was just talking to my dad about this tonight on the drive home. He, I guess Jay Williams was talking about how he was questioning if, if Zion had gone to Clemson, which was technically like his hometown school, home state school, would he still be, you know, as productive as he is and still number one in the draft? Because if he played for a team like Clemson, you know, they he'd get double teamed and – Maybe even triple team, depending on who's out on the on the 
court with him, but because he's at Duke and has all these other weapons around him, teams can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's interesting to think about, but I, yeah, I think they find a way. I would agree. Um, I'm always going to believe when you have three guys that are probably going to be starters of the NBA next season, you should probably <laughs> win the game. Yeah. Uh, e- even though I'm lower on Cam Reddish, uh, to put it nicely, I guess. But <laughs> that's that's the I nicest just, thing you've I, ever said about. I just Cam don't, Reddish. and I'm not even trying to be mean. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I want to believe in more of these prospects. I just don't see it. I know everybody said he he is a good defender. I understand, you know. But I was looking at some of his uh his his catch and shoot three point numbers. Uh, I'm going to filibuster to try to scramble to find Matt Moore's timeline from when he tweeted the other day, but um, they're not good. They're not good. And I I just don't know, like if his thing is shooting in defense, but he's not good at the shooting. So then we're just drafting defense. Not a great look. Could Could he be a Donovan Mitchell dude though? Like Mitchell didn't shoot well in college, but his jumper looked pure and then he got to the NBA and he ended up actually being a better shooter. He's like Reddish's form looks good, right? Like he looks like a dude. He, looks, he looks and moves like a terrific basketball player. And some of his defensive instincts are really nice. Like there was one really nice block he made that got called a foul when it was very obviously all ball, but um, out on a, on the three point line. And it was just a really, like you could tell he stuck with him the whole way, made a good, easy read. So, I mean, he's a very good defender. That That's fine. He's a good athlete. But, you know, just – I just don't like when, when you're – the staple in your offensive game is supposed to be one thing and then there's not a ton to go off of. But it is, as always with these things, uh, we know nothing until they get to the <laughs> NBA. And uh, it very – obviously could be Donovan Mitchell and we – you know, I could be wrong. And I just feel like this scenario was going to be on the Knicks, of course. But I – well, we'll see what happens. I do know that because you have such disdain for Cam Reddish that the Knicks will end up drafting him. I just <laughs> that much I know. I I am so tied to this team. Like I know exactly what's gonna happen. That's just it, it's it's rotted me to my core. I just feel it every step of the way. Oh my god! The it's worst. funny because oh go ahead. No no you go you go Jess. Um, I remember I I'm almost positive of the three Cam was the last to commit to duke um and i remember exactly where i was when i i uh got like the notification that he committed and my dad said to me he could end up being the best out of the three and right now it is not looking like that but hey the Iceman knows so you never know it could happen so some stats for duke uh three point percentage since January 1st. Um, Zion is at 40%. RJ Barrett is at 32.6%. And Cam Reddish is at 32.1%. And the volume of that was uh, 45 attempts for Zion, 147 for RJ, and 174 for Cam. Zion just should not be able to shoot like that. It is unfair. Yeah, I mean, obviously volume matters, and you know Zion isn't shooting nearly as many as those guys, but um, that's still a decent amount, and to me that just shows that he's capable. Uh, NBA is obviously a little bit further back, so uh, you know probably going to see 
more of a he's not going to sustain 40 percent in the nba no. I, I, that would be i mean he maybe he will because he's zion but <laughs> it'll figure it out uh, he'll just be strong enough to figure out the curvature that needs to go but um i i don't know i just i think it's a little overblown the shooting woes but uh cam cam concerns me so can, the good i'll give the good about cam is that well i know the three-point shooting's bad but studies have shown a better sign of whether a guy's going to be a good or bad shooter in the NBA pretends to be his free throw percentage. And he is shooting basically 70 77% from the free throw line. Another number that has shown to translate very to players being good in the NBA from college is a high steal rate. And he averages 1.6 steals per 29 minutes. And, and his steal percentage is three. And typically why a guy in college, like I, like if you were talking about the NBA and you're just like, oh, steals, you'd be like, no, whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a good defender. But why that number kind of works when it historically has shown to translate to good NBA players, it just means the guys are like bigger, stronger, more athletic than their opponents in college. And those are the players who are typically going to be better uh, pro players than they then uh, and that's why it translates well. I'm I, I'm completely at a loss. I feel like at this point, this must be what it feels like to my girlfriend whenever I talk NBA at her, <laughs> because I am just completely at a loss at this point. Th- this um, is why I just try to stick to the top prospects. That's it. I I, I can't so like 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 on. like Je- Jess has the whole breadth of the, of the the college world, and I just it's I hear. To me. I, I, just, I just stick to like the top five or six, and I just focus as much as I can because it'll. It's a lot. Jess, it's how, a lot. How do you have the attention span for for this much? Uh, this it's much actually, TV? I just don't get it. It's embarrassing how much I know about random teams in this tournament. Like, and it it all kind of I. I realized when I asked you guys in the Slack if you thought this tournament had been boring because I had seen, you know, on a couple podcasts I listened to, I think it was, like, when I when it was on Twitter, you know, and, like, you click the search and it's, like, top stories or whatever, and it was saying how um, Duke had almost lost and thank God they didn't because without them this tournament's so boring – when meanwhile, like, I had so much fun watching all these games last weekend. And when I asked you guys in the Slack if you thought it was, if everyone thought it was boring, it was pretty much a resounding yes. And I was just like, I, I really just care way too much about this game. My goodness. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I do it. It's just... I don't know, man. It's not embarrassing. I think embarrassing is coming onto your own podcast woefully unprepared to ask any <laughs> questions about college right. basketball. But uh, but this is why we're so grateful for having you on. Uh, before we get out of here tonight, though, what, do we want to just go down the list, make some final picks here? Should we put Jess to the test here? Oh, boy. Okay, I'm just going to go down the bracket. I'm just going down. You just tell me. If, uh, Brian, okay. Kyle, you guys want to chime in on this, too? You just tell me. No, for, for I'll let Jess. Jess can handle it. Jess can handle it. She can just do rapid fire winners. No one wants to hear from me. Florida State, uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Texas Tech, Michigan. 
Go blue, Michigan. That's a good <laughs> answer. Good stuff. LSU or Michigan State? Michigan State. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Virginia Tech or Duke? Oh, Duke. Auburn, UNC. UNC. Houston or Kentucky? I'm going Houston. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Purdue, Tennessee. Tennessee. And then the one we're all waiting for, Oregon or Virginia? <laughs> uh, UVA. All right. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything uh, that you want to plug before we get out of here? Je- just, just to give you the quick rundown on Jess. She uh, creates a ton of the graphics you see on the Nick's Wall social media feed, uh, as well as being heavily involved in our web stuff as well. Uh any anything else you want to throw in there into the uh, into the ether for our listeners to find out? Um, yeah, go go uh, like and retweet all our memes because you know that makes me feel good. And um, yeah, I think th- that's about it for me. Alrighty, uh, J Ryan forty four on Twitter. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jess. Thanks, guys. All right, are we just heading out from here? Do a quick outro. Yeah. Devin Booker has 26 out of the Suns, 53 points in the first half coming off of the 59-point game. Brian, those are empty stats. Don't you know that? Dear, dear fucking God, that is crazy. He's actually a bad basketball player. You would know if you actually watch the games, Brian. All right. I'm wrapping this up. Um all right, thanks again to Jess for coming on the pod and uh, informing me with everything I need to know about the uh, tournament because Lord knows I am just completely uh, useless here. Thank you to my co-hosts, Brian and Kyle, for being outstanding as always. Um, just a reminder to everybody to subscribe, leave us reviews, leave us all that good stuff. I don't need to be telling you by this point. You know what's going on. This is why you're here. Uh, thenixwall.com check out everything we got going on over there all of our twitter feeds at Corbo Anthony at Brian Giverman at Kyle Maggio get on it people uh, we will talk to you and actually have games to talk about again later on this weekend